Welcome to the History of the Batman with London, brought to you by Meltdown Comics and Collectibles in Hollywood, California. This is where we relive the defining moments of one of the most iconic figures in comic art and literature, the Batman. My name is Adam Silverstein, and as always, I'm joined by London. We are also joined by our very special guest, Pash, and we'll introduce him in a second. The show today is obviously, as always, engineered and produced by Mason Booker. History of the Batman is brought to you by Comics Fix, the digital comics platform where you can read as many comic books as you can for a monthly fee. It's an incredible service. Check out comicsfix.com. You can get it on your phone, tablet, computer, whatever. It's awesome. Check it out, comicsfix.com. Also, like to shout out Loot Crate. If you go to Loot Crate, order Loot Crate and enter the word meltdown in the promo code box. You will get $3 off your Loot Crate. So check it out. It's a subscription-based service. They just came out with a new box, Villains, and they give you all kinds of great exclusive items every month. Also like to shout out, again, Meltdown Comics. Check out Meltdown University. You can take classes here at Meltdown where you learn all kinds of cool stuff, how to draw comics, how to ink comics, how to write comics. This is a full-service comic book shop, my friends. Come down, check us out. Comics at Meltdown. All right, London, how you doing? I'm awesome. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. We got a special guest this week. I know. I'm so excited. Okay. Well, this fine gentleman, Pash, is a brand strategist, author, and educator with 25 years of experience in the field of design. He has designed the official logo for Miles Davis, brand extensions for Playboy, products for John Varvatos, retail product strategy for Motown Records, and advertising for Perrier. Is that right, Perrier? Perrier. Jeez, I don't even usually drink that type of water. <laughs> I got Arrowhead with me right now. He's currently vice president of brand and design at ABC. How you doing, Pash? I'm great. How are you guys? Well, we're we're excited to have right? you here. This is yeah. you're the first official guest. I know. Am I really? I guess yes. I am. I've been listening to everything else. <laughs> yeah. Well, we normally have Shadow Adam, and uh, he's so far deep in the shadows. We never know when he comes and emerges and says something. So he so. may he may swoop through at any moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Pash, I just said a mouthful. I I don't. I'm not sure I understand exactly even what I said about you. So can you tell me a little bit about what I just said? What do, What do you do? <laughs> I mean, I'm an old school graphic designer. Um, over the years, my my career focus has really evolved into focusing on branding. That's really been my specialty. And um, I uh, had my own business for a very long time and worked with all different kinds of clients and all different kinds of businesses. Now I work in television, so I focus uh, on, on branding and packaging TV series and helping market those. So that's basically what I do. Um, I've been a kind of a lifetime comic book fan and I'm a, I'm a Batman fan. I got turned on to this podcast and kind of fell in love with it and, uh, and have really enjoyed listening to it and, and kind of threw this topic out to you guys to see if it was something that you might be interested in talking yes. about and <laughs> got a, got a totally uh, favorable, positive response. So that was, that was super cool. And I'm, I'm really excited to be here to talk about it. So London, this is our 16th episode. 
we're calling this Batman the brand. That's yes. why we've got Pash here because he's the expert he on branding. On branding, definitely. So tell us, London, what what do you hope to accomplish during this episode? We always talk about Batman within the context of the comic books or any other media, but seeing Batman and what he represents outside of comics and to really around the world is an interesting aspect. And what we're going to look at today is the actual symbol, the emblem of Batman and its evolution within comics and outside of comics in particular with different television series and movie franchises and how from 1939 within the comic strips and the comic books to even today, Batman is an icon in a sense and represents not just this character that was created for comics, but represents a whole publication and many other things and pop culture in itself. And we're going to look at the evolution of not just the actual graphic design, but the evolution of the character and how his role has played to create pop culture that we know today. Well, then let me throw this out to both of you. What makes Batman's symbol so iconic? I mean, what are we, why is this a brand? I'm not sure I understand completely. I mean, obviously, you both are wearing awesome Batman shirts right now, <laughs> and I see the Batman logo everywhere. Maybe that's what you're hitting on, but a lot of people still think of this as a superhero logo. Why is it more than that? Well, may, you know, maybe I'll jump in and, and yes. take a crack at that to start. I, I think, you know, to kind of give you a heads up on on how what my approach to branding is in general. Branding is this term that's become you know, very heavily used, but it's, but it's kind of marketing speak, you know, you've heard it used so much more. It, it had different meaning, you know, 20 years ago, it had different meaning 20 years before that. And, mm-hmm. um, today, you know, branding is, I, I think the term is a little bit overused, but, um, but it, of course is my life's obsession. So if nothing else, let me talk a little bit about what, what to me a brand is. A brand is so much more than a logo. You know, Batman has got one of the great logos, one of the great iconic, um, you know, marks that represents um, that represents something in in that that's used that's used anywhere in the world today, and and I think we'll talk about that for sure because it has evolved, and that's one of the things that I find fascinating and love about it. But a brand is so much more than a logo, and I'll I'll give you an example. It's one that I use, you know, when I try to talk to people about what a brand is. A brand to me really lives in the minds of the people who of of the people out there in the world. You know the fans and the audience. Those are the, that's where a brand actually exists. So imagine if I asked you guys to just try to close your eyes for a moment and think about um, Apple, the company, not okay. the fruit. Uh, just picture <laughs> it in your mind. There could be any number of things that might jump to your mind. You might actually think of the logo, which is just a simple silhouette of an apple. You might think of you know you might picture Steve Jobs in your mind. Okay, you might think of the the product that's in your pocket, you know, or in your purse, your iPhone. Uh, or the one that sits on your desk, or the one in this laptop that's right in front of me. You might think of the experience of being in one of the stores, where those people come up to you with the blue shirt and the little lanyard, right? You might, and what that feels like to you. That's all part of the Apple brand. You know, you might think of, and I haven't even gotten to the advertising campaigns because a lot of people, right. if I ask them to think of Apple, they think of the Think Different campaign with Albert Einstein and. And uh, Martha Graham and... and or the uh, iPads on the billboards. That's right. The iPads on the billboards, the, the really colorful ones with the dancing people and the silhouettes, you know, or the guy on, on the TV commercial that says, I'm an Apple and I'm a PC, you know, 
Those were all different ways that the company has chosen to sort of market itself and all those things together become part of the Apple brand. So it means different things to different people, but it makes you feel something. That that to me is really what a brand is. So, you know, every every company and product that's out there has has some sort of brand and they're at some sort of state of how well they've been able to establish it. You know, when something catches on really huge with the masses, then it becomes a much bigger brand and it becomes a, a little bit of a phenomenon. To me, that that is is a significant thing. It doesn't happen with very many companies or products. It's kind of an elite place to be. So right. I guess you could say that same thing happens with superheroes, you know, and think about all the the um, the comic book uh, artists that have been out there that have tried to create something and let it catch on in people's minds. Well, there's very few that have risen to the level that Batman has. Very, very few, obviously. And um, to the point where it's just everybody, everyone really globally recognizes it, whether they are, you know, comic book fans or comic uh, movie fans or whatever or not. Uh, it's just something that they would absolutely recognize. And I think that so the Batman brand, um, obviously, the symbol is this great mark that represents it. But there's so many things. If you ask people to think about Batman, when they close their eyes, there's just any number of different things that come to them. Obviously, it's a visual medium. So they may see particular imagery like the stuff you guys have talked about right. in the past. You know, Batman cradling Robin in, in that uh, iconic sort of moment from Death in the Family or when when Bane you know, broke Batman's back over or the, his knee. Or you know, the like, Joker's yeah. face, a killing and joke. And the killing joke, right. yeah. Some, some of the great iconic covers, you know, some of the great iconic moments, um, even even the onomatopoeias that you're always talking about, you know, like the way that those are written, that you may think of the, the 60s television series, you may think of the Nolan movies or the Tim Burton 89 movie, or, you know, everybody's got something else that kind of comes to, your, to their mind. All of those things, comp, you know, comprise the, the Batman brand. Yeah. Well, and it seems to just distill into the symbol that kind of we're talking about. And the symbol right. is the is the cornerstone that everything was really built upon, you know, from the very beginning. And, um, you know, it, it, it has its roots at the beginning. I think that the evolution of that symbol to me is one of the things that's just so fascinating and, and differentiates it from some of the other great brands of the world, really. And the symbol, no matter how it's designed, even originally, you it it permeated what the character, what they were representing, even before you read the story or you even knew what the comic was about. You saw it on the cover, and that already told you kind of what you were jumping into in terms of who you were going to see. And it's evolved aesthetically throughout the years and some in part of just a creator's choice within the comic books or some outside, whether it's for the television show that's currently on or the film franchise that's out. But as you said, I talk to Batman fans every day and everyone has something different about Batman that pops into their mind when you first hear Batman. And with a lot of different brands, products, or anything, it's hard to have such an array of different responses to what does Batman mean to you? Or when you hear Batman or when you see Batman, what do you see? And you can have almost what it feels like endless answers or possibilities and not a lot of superheroes, fictional characters, figures in general can have that type of response. And I think that's why Batman has thrived for so many years. Right. I mean, and also I think the image itself is just striking. You know, the image or the logo is striking in itself. In the simple fact that it's a bat. Right. You already 
recognize that it's for Batman, even if you don't really know anything about Batman, even if you're not that familiar, if you don't read the comics or you don't watch the movies. But for some reason, anyone can come now and see that if you see the symbol of a bat, no matter what the shape is, that's for Batman. And what's interesting is you can see a Batman logo and you associate it with comic books in general. And I think with a lot of different superheroes, you can't do that. You may for Superman, he's probably one of the other major options. But even looking at the Batman logo, you can say, oh, these are comics or this is about comic books or this is about superheroes. This is about this type of fiction. And that's one of the reasons why Batman is one of the major brands that stand with Apple and with other brands like Coca-Cola and Nike and different major ones that can bring in a whole different audience. You have an array of people from all different backgrounds, all fascinated with the same thing, but all for different reasons. And I think that's part of what makes something a brand and makes it a successful brand, more or less. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that you know, the great brands, the successful brands are ones that have, they have a personality. There's really no other way to look at it than that. They, they've managed to develop a personality really of their own. And the people, the fans, the, the brand loyalists, they're attracted to that. They're drawn to that personality. It makes them feel a certain way. They, they feel great about it. And, um, and I think that there's a, even in the world of brands, there's a very special, unique kind of brand that because a person is a loyalist, it says something about them and who they are. And um, if you think about in the world, in the, in the, in sort of in the comic world, that, that has rubbed off on people. You know, if you, if somebody says, oh, I'm really into Harley Quinn or I'm really into this or that, it just paints a sort of picture for them. It's who they identify with in some ways, you know, usually I right. think, but um you know, and Batman is is a is is a distinctive character. It has been from the beginning. You know, he was the he was the Cape Crusader. He was this masked vigilante. You know, he didn't doesn't have superpowers. He doesn't didn't come from some other planet. And but also he doesn't run around in red tights. No no disrespect to other superheroes. <laughs> but you know, there's a certain kind of um, aspect to that 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 you know, from a personality standpoint, people again are just sort of drawn to. You it know, makes him human compared Absolutely. to other heroes that we know you want i think another interesting thing that as we're talking about this is that the first two major superheroes superman and batman not only are they the first two but they are really the two most iconic in terms of their symbols yes i mean if you talk about any of the Marvel characters, I don't really think there's a specific symbol. I mean, Spider-Man doesn't really have a specific symbol. Sometimes it's his face. Sometimes it's the back spider. Sometimes it's the front spider. Wolverine clearly doesn't have a symbol. <laughs> Captain America's shield, maybe, but it, that's up for debate whether that's his symbol. And Batman and Superman wear it right on their chest. I mean, those are two probably the best graphic design brand managers there ever has been if yeah. they are the ones yes. designing their own it's, logos it's absolutely true no it's 100 percent true i mean it's it's crazy that those two have just stood the test of time and it, what's interesting to me too is that they come from a period in history where you know graphic design in general and and branding you know was was it a was it an early age so to speak you know this isn't like today where you're in, where we're in 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 this consumerism you know uh, fueled society where there's just a, you walk into the grocery store to look at a product and there's a hundred different things to choose from you know there was like one or two major players in every single product and so you didn't ha it wasn't 
it wasn't uh, absolutely, you know, important and, and essential to have fantastic branding at that time. Right. But, you know, a lot of the things really I always say the the successful brands aren't necessarily always the very first ones to market. It's the first ones that get into consumers' minds. And Superman and Batman just they they did that. They plowed right in, captured people's attention. They were there at a time when people needed something to gravitate towards. If you look at historically yes. like we've talked about what's going on. And they just they just stuck, you know. Do you think that DC consciously decided to do that early on, or was that just the fad? Because if you look at the DC characters, maybe aside from Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. they yeah. all mainly well, I shouldn't say all, but Flash has an iconic symbol, Superman, Batman. I mean, is that it? I, I don't know. If there's Shazam, mm-hmm. does he? He's got the lightning bolt. Mm-hmm. But then when you Green move Lantern, it, Green Lantern. Green Lantern. But when you move into the Marvel, other than the Fantastic Four having that four, right? <laughs> Hulk, Hulk doesn't have a symbol. Maybe the X Men do that X now. Yeah, maybe Thor maybe. doesn't have one. But yeah, 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 Iron but Man. But it's nothing this, so distinct. You know. uh, right. The DC seemed to just nail that down early on. They really did. That was something that they just they put a they put a stamp on this industry and you know, forge the way. This is how it was gonna go. And that, you know, that 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 really changed everything. You know, and it was like it was groundbreaking. When they introduced Superman, like you said, I don't think the first thought was, oh, we wanna make we wanna make a brand out of this. We want to make some I think it was introducing a this a superhero, something no one has ever seen before. And I think superheroes are still so important because with everything that goes on in real life and when you're comparing what's going on with you personally and what's going on within the world, for comics, it's almost an escape and you have that hero that you may wish would be here in real real life. And especially going into the 40s and with during World War II, Batman and Superman played the major patriotic roles that young readers and Soldiers overseas, when they were reading the comics, they felt some type of empowerment from it. But definitely, it's interesting that Superman and Batman were the first two. And then even today, if you ask about DC Comics, you automatically state it's Superman, the Batman. You see that character. You see that logo. And since we're talking about the Batman logo today, it's interesting to note that while Superman, the S or however you would describe it within the emblem, that really hasn't changed aesthetically so much. It's really the same. It may look a little different. Coloring may be different, but the actual architecture of the bat symbol has changed a dozen times and yet is still as significant as the simple s on superman's chest yeah i i think that's fascinating because i mean imagine just imagine if if some other great global brand had had done that you know brands endure because of their consistency and the familiarity that that comfort that people find and going to them and they know exactly what they're going to get the thing that cracks me up, imagine if you had taken, if Nike had decided with their swoosh, I'll just use that as an example. What right. if they had kind of had some artists come along and sort of redesign the swoosh once a year or every couple of years or maybe two, three times a year sometimes. And just every time we're like, oh, I think it'd be cool if we put a couple of points on it over here. Let, let's tweak it this way. Have it go over there, you know, still kind of recognizable as a swoosh, but it's just it's just a different interpretation. One, It would have been, it, you know, it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have uh, it wouldn't have existed that way. 
bat with Batman it has and it's worked beautifully because every you know the Batman uh character has just gone through its history being constantly you know re interpreted by different artists you know right. both writing and uh and and with you know fine art you know the way that he's drawn well, well london why don't you start us uh or kind of take us back to the beginning and uh what what was going on then where where do we start here because obviously we started in what 39 right and and there was a bat logo Right. And, and what we were discussing before when Superman was created in 38 and then DC wanted that same amazing response to a superhero and they approached Bob Kane in 1939 and wanted him to create a new hero and cre he created the Batman and that came out in Detective Comics 27 from May of 1939 and you have not only this dark figure, he's a masked vigilante as Pash said earlier, he has no superpowers, but he has all of these gadgets and he has all this martial arts. And he is, first of all, by himself. I know everyone recognizes now that's Batman and Robin. But for the first year in 1939, it was just Batman and his own adventures with supervillains. And you're introduced to all these characters. And the logo on the comic book, it's such a gothic figure. You have... This high cowl with these sharp ears, you have a scowl and a furled brow, and you have these wide black cape-like wings, and then you just have the bold font of Batman. And that kind of gothic look sustained on Batman comics and even in detective comics for about 20 years into his existence, especially when Batman number one in spring of 1940 came out where Robin was introduced after the detective comics 38, you have that symbol that lasts for about 150 issues. And even though Robin was brought into the picture for Batman to kind of lighten up his dark kind of grim mood, the logo itself still aimed towards what Bob Kane and Bill Finger decided to create this dark detective character, this kind of pulp fiction adventure character that was so popular, just as popular as Superman. And what's interesting is within the comics, I think Batman was very popular. He was, he was given his own publication within a year of his creation. Yet within the forties, Superman was then given his own, television series and animation and short films and you don't see that until Batman comes within the serials in 1943 it was under Columbia Pictures and it was a 15 episode you can go to the movies to see it and even in the promotional pictures if you look at episode one which I think is called the electrical brain or something and you see Batman in the corner kind of with that same emblem, that same symbol that's on the comic, you see him creeping in the shadows, holding the poster with his full cape over the poster. And you just have this image of dark and goth and kind of this mysterious character that still plays to the pulp fiction that was popular within the era. Right. Let me ask you this. So when we're talking about the initial Batman logo. Yes. 
Now, what I tend to think as the popular Batman logo is what you guys are wearing right now. It's the yellow oval with the bat symbol that fits within the oval. Yes. Okay. But the very beginning, it was a simple, just a black bat. It was a black bat on his chest and the color was a dark blue. His suit was blue and black and gray. And so the actual, it was just a bat. It wasn't even within anything. It wasn't confined in a circle or anything. It was just a bat. Right. And and that from that was the template that everything flowed. Yes. Okay. And so they kept the original idea of that uh, symbol from 39 and they moved it into the serials. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Still on in the black and white serials, you would still have that kind of scrunched bat on his chest and that even moved into the second series of serials was in 49 and you don't see Batman outside of comics like that until the 60s so from the late 40s throughout the early 60s you still have that bat on his chest you still have that same logo on the comic book or on the splash page of Detective Comics, it may say Batman with Robin the Boy Wonder, but it's still the same graphic design of Batman on the comic and in the splash pages. It's still that type of logo. So when readers saw him, they had two kind of ideas of the Batman logo, whether you saw it on his costume or on the comic book itself, but everyone always notices when it's on his costume. So the the yellow logo that I'm wearing right now, we we aren't introduced to that until the early 60s. All right, we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, or are we there yet? Because after the serials in the 30s, it, what, stays the same? Yes. Pretty much? It stays the same throughout the 40s and the 50s, the actual logo itself. It's sustained for, like I said, about 150 issues. It that the logo itself doesn't change. Now, also, when we're talking about the logo, we are talking about the symbol on the chest. Yes. Because there is iconic There's, Batman writing right. as well. But yes. we're, 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 just so I'm clear, we're restricting this to the, the chest when we yes. say logo. Okay. Yes, because I think people are more familiar with the ch- the emblem on the chest. Right. Even though the actual logo on the comic book on the cover has evolved as well, it's easier to define probably for many looking at the emblem on his chest. Right. I think the I think <laughs> I think when we talk about the writing of Batman, I think most people definitely go to Batman sixty six. Yes. With the Batman making up the bat symbol for sure with the yes. batman written on top of it in yellow right okay so are we at 66 yeah and before we even get to 66 which is a major i i believe point within our discussion today the yellow emblem comes in comics before it comes on adam west costume did it really yes in 1964 in detective comics 351 the DC editor at the time wanted to give Batman this new look. He wanted to change what we've been talking about, the regular black emblem. He wanted it to be different. And he also wanted to change Batman's mythos by taking out minor characters and really just focusing on 
Batman and Robin. So in Batman, I think it's, I mean, it's in Detective Comics 327. I think I said that. I might have said something else. In 327 in 1964, Carmine Infantino and Joe Guerra, they created Batman's new look. And that's when you get the yellow emblem with the Batman, with the bat sign in it. And that's the one that's kind of sustained the test of time or is considered the classic Batman that we know now. Was that also when they changed his costume to a lighter gray, yes. lighter blue? Lighter cow? gray, lighter blue. It it called to the Silver Age period that we're now in, the more lighthearted stories and it even it still had the same detective modes and the crime series and all of that, but we already are shifting into Batman becoming a much lighthearted character, and that had to come into his costume as well. You can't have him kind of smiling and talking to Robin and all the G gollies, and he's had this kind of dark look to him. So yes, the cowl is a light blue, and he's wearing the gray, and then you have a bright yellow oval with a more calm bat symbol in the middle. Right. Also a bright yellow <laughs> utility belt. Yes. Bright pop era, which is one of my favorites, the pop art that definitely plays into it. And that's where the inspiration for the Adam West costume for the live action 1966 series came in. Mm. So that was 66 television was directly from the comic books, which I think yes. most people <laughs> would be probably surprised to learn. Yeah, it's... The producers wanted to bring Batman onto TV more because they wanted to recreate the 1943 serials, but now have it in this bright color and make it more for their for that period modern because they loved the success of the 1943 serials. And what happened was the serials were re-released in the early 60s. And so William Dozier, who's the producer of ABC's 66 series. ABC. <laughs> not a coincidence. <laughs> when he saw that the re-release was there, he wanted to create a new Batman series. And he found that the 43 and the 49 serials were kind of silly in a way. And he wanted to recreate that, but for the 60s. And so that's when he created the, the series and... Adam West and Burt Ward were Batman and Robin. And what that series is iconic for many reasons, but you get to see all of these characters literally come from the panels on the TV exactly as they were. You see Joker, you see Catwoman, whom you didn't see in the 43 serials, or even Joker and Penguin. And now within the, even though it was a short period of time from 66 and the show was canceled in 68, you know these are household names and they're characters that you're interested in. And, of course, it boosted the sales for Batman Detective Comics right up because the sales weren't actually doing that well. That's why the new look came and all of that progression happened. I think another cool thing that people need to recognize is that, again, we see comics leading the way yes. for television. I mean, you are talking about, people say to me all the time, even now, you mean Walking Dead was a comic book? Yes. Right? Definitely. You know, Batman's first <laughs> symbol. I am sitting here today 
honestly, before we got here, thinking that the yellow Batman symbol started in 66. <laughs> and again, I should have known. No, it started with a comic. <laughs> comics. There you go. So, Pash, when you are you are working at ABC now, correct? Yeah, correct. And so <laughs> what do you ever have to take already established products or, or brands or stuff and then reformat it and kind of tweak it for new television? You know, that's a funny question. Interesting you'd ask that. Um, not that often. Usually most of the projects that we work on are, are new ideas that people have, you know, or some new uh, you know, interesting sort of story. I, I we're working on one property right now, which is a sort of re a little bit of a reboot or a reinvention of something that's been out there a long time, and that's the Muppets. We've got, oh. A, oh, okay. got a TV series coming <laughs> for the Muppets. So, yeah. and you know, they're like they're not unlike Batman in that they've had a a, a long life already, not as long as Batman. Um, and they've kind of gone through little bits of uh, little phases, you know, where they change a little bit. This Muppet show that we're doing now is a little bit more adult than people probably have remembered the Muppets being for the last couple decades, at least. And it's uh, it's a little closer in tone to what the Muppet show in the 70s was like. So, yeah, I mean, I think things kind of come and go and change. It's I, I, I see it so much in in Batman. And again, that's always sort of the interpretation of the artist. I don't know how, you know, how much DC says, oh, I'd like you to try this or influence it that way. It comes and goes with the times. I love your analysis of, you know, the influence of pop art and how how crazy popular that was in the 60s and how it really materialized in the look and feel of the comics in the Silver Age. And then that wound up making its way to the screen. I mean, if you think about the Nolan, the, you know, the 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 whole look and feel and appearance of the Nolan Batman, uh, you know, that trilogy, it's it's, you know, on film, it's just such a it, it got back to something very you know, super what feels to us right now, very realistic, but also super um, dark, you know, and brooding a lot more right. sort of Frank Miller than maybe some of the other, you know, writers or, or you know, sort of little mini eras that the that the character has gone through. So I, I think things do. They have a life. They have a, you know, they, 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 they shift and they change over time. And just like people, you know, there's different versions of you. You kind of get dressed up and go out and you're you're more formal in some circumstances and more laid back and kicked back and relaxed in others. And, you know, so we all have different attributes to our personality. I think brands do the same thing. So, so how do, real quick, just a side, take a step back from Batman. How, how do you approach the Muppets? I mean, that's huge, <laughs> right? I, that is one yeah. of the, that's a, a mate. The Muppets are huge. <laughs> the Muppets are huge. Um, that's been, I mean, listen, I, I work on a, I work on every TV show for ABC. So there's a lot of things to work on, but this one is very big for us, the big priority. And we're extremely excited about it. And for me, it's, it's just a, a little bit fulfilling a, a you know a lifetime dream. I was a massive, massive Muppets fan when I was growing up in the seventies. Yeah. <laughs> I used to sit and watch that show every single week with my family, which is exactly what we're hoping people are going to do this time around when it comes back on television. It's it's definitely, definitely you know going to be great humor and very, very funny for adults, but a little bit more adult skewed than kids. But kids just love Muppets too. They'll come along and be able to watch as well. Um, but yeah, approaching something like that, you know, you have to. You have to respect the material. You have to respect the history. You know, right. you you have to be mindful of everything that's kind of come before. And then, you is know. Is that more or less difficult to keep that same foundation that's always been there, even though you're tweaking it and changing it and putting a different spin on it? Is it hard to keep what everyone has known the Muppets to be the kind of 
same elements that it's been throughout the decade. I think what's hard is showing people something that they have not seen before because you're, yes. you're pushing them a little bit outside of their comfort zone. People don't know? like change. They don't. And that, <laughs> it's funny because you, you see it in the world of comics all the time. It's so controversial when all of a sudden a, a character just kind of goes off in a little bit of a di di different direction or, you know, a character dies, the characters yeah. die. And like you think, well, they can't die. They got to stick around. They're a major character. So it's right. Or a Batman example in the new 52, when Joker cuts, uh, has Dollmaker cut off his face and then he reapplies it with all of these staples and pins. A lot of people hate that interpretation. Yeah, they They're like, yes, it, which is interesting, even though. That Joker, I think, is crazier than the one that everyone loves. So it's it's so interesting to see the little things that change, but it's still in the end the same character, I think. Yeah, I it, it definitely is. It just it adds it adds to it. What's been wonderful about Batman's evolution over time is that it's it's layered. You know, all these new things that happen, all these new writers that contribute to it, these new characters that kind of come in along the way. You know, it's funny. I was listening to you talk a couple of weeks ago about. Um, I think it was maybe about about Hush being a new like a new character, and I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, I think of it a new character, except it's only about 20 years or you know 15 years right. old now, or whatever. <laughs> That's getting to be kind of an older character already, especially <laughs> to young people who read. But yeah, in the scheme of things, when you put it up next to a Joker who's been here for 75 years. Right. So I don't know. I mean, I think that's part of what's what's fun about that stuff. You know, for us, as we sat there starting to work on on a Muppet show, the idea of seeing the Muppets living in our world, like they're real people and in our world, they're just like us. It's, it's awesome. So when uh, you hear a cell phone ring, an iPhone and like Kermit looks down and then you see uh, Fozzie Bear's face on the phone and then Kermit's little hand comes in and swipes <laughs> over so that he can answer the phone. I mean, it just, it just made us like giggle with joy. It's like, there's something really fun and special about that. So, and I think that, you know, you have to be, again, you have to be respectful of the material and, and right. certainly Batman's no different with us. We've been lucky enough to have people from the, you know, the Muppets, uh, it's the Muppet Studios now, not, not Jim Henson, but they're, they're old school Henson people. They've been working on the property for 25, 30 years or more. And they're there to kind of help make sure that everything stays on track okay. and that nothing's really completely out of bounds. Right. And I think that's the same for Batman, even though he's evolved and has changed and has so many different interpretations, there are just key things that still make Batman, Batman. And I think that's for any character brand anything you have to have some type of the same element or some foundation that still stays to show okay this is still the same one it just is in a different package yeah but i think that um the differentiation with batman even even just like for me from a i, I approach a lot of things looking at them from a design standpoint because i'm a graphic yes. designer <laughs> so from a branding and design standpoint you know brands have a they have a logo they have typefaces that are sort of associated with them they have a color palette batman has a color palette and we've already mm -hmm. been talking about how look at how that has kind of changed and shifted and evolved you know um even superman has not evolved that much and maybe right. that's where you know there's been a lot more freedom exercised i think in with with batman than there has been with some other characters but it just somehow it always seems to work nobody's veered too too far away you know they've always been able to to make it look and feel justified because it's based on those principles that were established from the beginning. Right. You know, he was this character that he, he almost looked more like a villain than a hero, but he, he was this frightening and sort of character that, that instilled fear and terror, but not into, into good people, into and criminals. Into and that, that was the whole idea behind it. And I think in a way, 
in that regard, he was a little bit of an anti-Superman, you know, and um, yes. and people flocked to it. Literally and, day and night. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And um, and people and, and that's what everything that's the foundation that it all was built upon. Yeah. So going back to Batman and the transition of 66, 66, what happened after 66? Well, I think with the 66 show, even though it was only on for three years, the Batmania that happened and that, I think, since we're talking about brand and a lot of times... And you could say if I'm wrong or not, but brand comes consumerism and merchandising, and that's a large part of it. That really started with the 66 show. Within the first year of the show on air, it the merchandise, it ranked into like $75 million worth of merchandise. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's just there was so much made, and the Batman symbol and batman and robin they were on literally everything you can think of and just that alone i think started batman in being somewhat of a product not just an an icon to everyone else and brought in such a huge audience yeah i i agree i mean that it it became a franchise all of a sudden and and uh, I mean, not all of a sudden, but it's just that that was this sort of moment in time, time. this kind of tipping point, I guess, in a way. But, you know, what happened is, to your point, the that 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 level of consumerism just it exploded the visibility and the recognizability, you know, for for people around the world, just globally, yes. you know. And and I think that symbol being at the heart of it, you know, it, it was a very easy thing to put onto products, you know. You could you could silk screen it with one color. You could embroider it, whatever matter, whatever you want to <laughs> right. put on. It, it, whether you did a good job or a crappy job, it was still recognizable as a bat. Yes. And, and that and people would would come to see that as Batman. And you know, Batman was translated in the comics in so many different countries and had names, uh, you know, and uh, that, that that were not you know. Let's just say if it was Superman, it wouldn't have started with S, you know, right. so, but the bat symbol meant the same thing everywhere it went. It, it would, that symbol could be used. It was ubiquitous. It could be used everywhere. And it would always have that. It would have that same visual representation no matter where it was. Exactly. And even during the 66 show, there were a series of bat mangas made in Japan and the symbol looks different for us, but it's just, it was so global and the symbol looked different everywhere, but it still went back to the same comic or television series or story that you looked at. It just became so diverse within, it seems like, such a short period of time. But yes, definitely the 66 show, if we're talking about Batman becoming an icon and becoming something that represents so many different things, I think it really started within the late 60s. So after we get to the 66, well, let me ask you this. It started with when the yellow background came. By the way, is that based on the bat uh, call that or the bat light? Oh, the bat signal? Yeah, the bat signal. Sorry. Usually the bat signal would mat. Well, now it more matches whatever the emblem is. But yes, in the sky to... It was more of a design technique. They would be yellow in the sky within a circle. And then whatever the shape of the bat was on the chest 
would be in the sky because it would match. So it definitely was influenced, but I really think just the colors that were produced within the 60s matched what creators were seeing out in all other types of art mediums. Like we were saying, the kind of pop art, the kind of very bright visuals that were everywhere else. But yes, definitely the bat signal would help because it's the bright light in the sky. <laughs> it does make a lot of sense as to why you would have that that yellow circle, like yellow oval around it. Yeah, right. I always wondered if um, that was... And now when you see the bat signal, it matches whatever the bat emblem is on Batman because it's supposed to say, hey, that's for Batman. And even when in in other comics, rogues would steal the bat signal, they would put up their iconography or anything within it. And so it just whatever was in the sky would represent Batman. So the the bat signal, I think, would definitely would have had an, an influence within the new design in the 60s. Then eventually, because in the 66 show, it was the, it seemed to be similar, the original bat symbol just on a yellow background. Yes. But eventually the symbol or the bat within the circular or the oval started to expand to almost touch the edges. The wings started to round off. They would round off and, but they still kept the same oval the same oval shape, which I find interesting that they, you don't really see it kind of go out of that shape until more modern comics. But even in the seventies, when they were trying to break away from people having, having Batman tied to the very silly, lighthearted, campy Adam West, and you have artists and writers like Neil Adams and Dennis O'Neill and Steve Englehart in the 70s kind of bring that gothic root, those dark stories back to Batman in the 70s. His emblem, and even in the 80s, when we're going into even darker comics, when we're introducing Frank Miller to into Batman mythos, you see the emblem, the bat actually changing. It's becoming rounder on the logo of the comic. It's the font is different, but then on the emblem itself, yes, it's becoming a little bit more round. It's not sleek or it doesn't look kind of like a, a weird drawn bat. It's more taking form into the actual figure that Batman represents. Right. It's it's becoming more of a symbol versus just a bat. Just a bat, right. And these are pictures that you can put on your Instagram site, Yes, correct? definitely. Okay. Because <laughs> I know it's so hard to visualize it through the podcast, but when this episode comes on, when we're in... For Instagram, I'll definitely put up the logos and say, when, and and you guys will be able to see which ones we're talking about to get a better idea of just how it evolved within a few decades. Of what uh, is the Instagram site? Just in case uh, people don't know, Instagram.com/slash History of the Batman. That was easy enough. <laughs> All right, so what do we got next after '66? Where are we going now? Well, six. Well, after the '66 show. The comic, Batman comics, they were at a really high point and the the DC editors and the new creators brought in wanted to bring Batman back to his kind of 1939, 1940s darker image. And so the actual logo, even though the the stories became more of the dark detective and the gothic root, it still held the same 
logo, the Batman classic TV show logo on the cover in the splash page, which I always find interesting because it's still so popular. And that series made it so iconic. They kind of wanted to keep that for people who are going into the Batman comics. And this isn't really the fun and silly Batman. He's kind of serious and a little bit darker, but still keeps that audience. And you don't really see a bigger change until we kind of, in comics, until we really get into the 1980s and they want to change the format of Batman and bring in a new audience, an older audience, to widen sales and to, once again, kind of change the perception of Batman and bring him back to this dark figure. And you see that within Frank Miller's Batman in the mid-80s. And that was The Dark Knight. Right. That was The Dark Knight Returns in 86 and that four-issue arc. And then in 87, he did a retelling of the origin story, Batman Year One. Yeah. Was the Batman symbol in Year One different from The Dark Knight? Yeah. (laughs) the, the, The Dark Knight Returns emblem... Is And I think still looking at all, if you just look at an evolution of the emblem, it's fatter in a, <laughs> for a better phrase, it's, it's wider and it takes up. And I always felt that because Batman was represented as this 55 year old retired hero and even himself, he was kind of a larger type person maybe the emblem just kind of was just huge on his chest and i think it just was supposed to show the difference between then and now it had to be something really drastic because even if you look at the batman inside the yellow emblem in the 70s and that was supposed to be so neil adams batman was the young batman that frank miller's batman turned out to be in a sense you kind of have two different views of what Batman was and what he is now and what he's trying to come back to. It seems like the Frank Miller Dark Knight Batman symbol was a lot like the first symbol, but thicker. Thicker, it, right. It didn't have the curved points at the end or right. anything like that. It was just a big, fat bat on the yeah, chest. Yeah, it was kind of just a wide, almost you couldn't even see the the definition in the lines. It almost looked like kind of a a blob of sorts, but then you can kind of tell, okay, it's winged at the, yeah, the exactly. tip and then the little cowl. And so it was enough where you were like, okay, that's supposed to be a bat. I always thought of it. You know, Miller in Dark Knight Returns, it almost looked like a brick with a little bit of points added on. I mean, it <laughs> right. was just this big <laughs> thing and everything, which I always found ironic because at the time that came out, I w- my mind was blown. Um, I was in high school and uh, my mind was just blown by it when I read it. And I was like this kind of skinny, wiry kid. <laughs> but everything I'd kind of saw showed me that Frank Miller was kind of this skinny, wiry dude, too. And it was just me. Mm-hmm. I thought, wow, how interesting that this guy comes along and decides to, you know, really take a bold step that almost reinvents Batman, vi- right. you know, visually. And he does it with just like something that's the complete anti of what he even looks like definitely and i always found that interesting and at the time it was an elseworld before elseworlds even existed it was supposed to be a possible alternate future Future. so he could really play with batman and make him say well he could look like this at 55 i know we don't see him now as that but 
I think he had a lot of of room to kind of play with what kind of Batman he wanted to present. So after Frank Miller's Batman, which was clearly iconic for a number of reasons. Right. Uh, and I know Pash and I were just looking at the picture with Batman jumping down out of off of probably a building right. and a light. <laughs> I mean, there's so much iconic imagery coming right, in his from hands that. and he's like kind of smiling like Whoo. oh yeah i mean <laughs> frank miller's it's it's it we've always talked about on this show how important that was but the next major important thing i think would probably be the tim burton movies would you agree london yes i definitely would agree it calls back to just how important the 66 was to reaching out to a a broader audience. And Tim Burton, he was influenced by Miller's Dark Knight Returns and Jim Starlin's A A Death in the Family and Alan Moore's Killing Joke and all of these dark stories within that time. And he wanted to create a Batman that he thought would really represent the Bob Kane, Bill Finger Batman that was created in 39. And that film campaign was instilled today is one of the greatest that I suppose the Hollywood in the Hollywood aspect has ever seen and just like the same Batman logo or the Batman emblem that Adam West had that the 66 show had you saw the Tim Burton Michael Keaton's chess emblem everywhere now, I think <laughs> yeah and I think I think a kind of uh, analogous to that would be if you know you're watching uh, now and you see straight out of Compton, right? <laughs> Everything is straight out of straight out Everything. of whatever. It doesn't even matter. And that those just those words in that you know rectangle. If you think that is all over the place, you are right, London. That right. That Batman campaign for the Tim Burton movies was even it was, bigger. It was everywhere. And Pash, do you think that with all with that Batman logo and the emblem being everywhere, that just, did you think that that strengthened the Batman brand or was that just part of just promoting the movie? Do you think that had some type of major influence or? I, I think there was definitely a shift. It was a huge and, and very important time for, for the brand in general. You, you once again, like we talked about with the 60s, had this just explosion of franchise right. products and like, you know, this explosion of consumerism. But I mean, it and it just plowed its way into people's minds and stayed there. That right. they started with a teaser poster that just had the, um, you know, the the logo by itself on that golden background, as yes. the way it was drawn by the the, the art des- the designer for the um, for the film, which I think was Antoine first, maybe yeah, yeah. and first, yeah, and, um, and he did the Batmobile too. Yes, he did the Batmobile and, and and like the city <laughs> landscape. You know, yes. he, he was really heavily responsible. I mean, Tim Burton was a very design focused filmmaker, but you know, they really put a tremendous amount of thought into what the world would look like and how they would evolve it. I mean, look, he went to this black rubber latex costume you exactly know, like, it, and it was groundbreaking but i always i it's funny i always think about a friend of mine that um that i met uh like maybe two summers before the summer before i think it was um in chicago i was at a, a special summer program and this guy had the the batman symbol as a tattoo right here on his shoulder okay and the guy was such a badass it was just the coolest <laughs> thing he was so cool and it was literally yellow and black like you know almost you'd never seen really a lot of color 
like two colored tattoos at that time. So this was just, and this dude was so cool. And then the Batman movie came out and there was just, you know, the following year. And there was just this absolute massive saturation in the marketplace of that, of that iconic logo. Yes. And the funny thing is it was, it was still cool, but it just had a different meaning because before, while he, he was kind of like this offshoot guy, yeah, yeah. kind of different. Now all of a sudden he looked like he was the guy who was jumping on the bandwagon who loved this movie he so was much. kind of he hipster went, before yeah. it went all global. Yeah, right. And <laughs> not, not anymore. So he was just hating life afterwards because he was the, it's like now everybody loves my favorite character. I used to be the cool guy because I like walked to the beat of a different drum. <laughs> now I'm just like one of those one of those people now that's I'm just jumping the on the consumer. Like, yeah. Yes. So I think that's funny, but it did it absolutely fueled things forward, and it was so, you know, that movie was so groundbreaking and just influencing really, in some way, everything that's kind of come since then. If you think about it, you know, mm-hmm. especially from a you know from a brand and, and design standpoint. Right. And just like the astounding figure of at least the merchandising with the Tim Burton, that movie alone, is it it was like a revenue of like seven hundred fifty million dollars. Absolutely. It was it was, <laughs> it was completely groundbreaking Combined. and it you know, it, it paved the way for all the all the great huge, you know, superhero franchises right. that have come that since then. That genre for film became a thing before there wasn't a superhero genre. Well, today we have like twenty films coming out in the next ten years. Yeah, but I I think one thing that's also funny and it's interesting to look at and think about is that to your point, you know, the the symbol kind of evolved a little bit over time just as the eras kind of shifted or whatever. I feel like with what Miller, that bold move that Miller made in 86 and then with the, again, very bold kind of move and direction that Tim Burton and his team took that took it in 89 with the film. It's almost like that gave permission or, or almost issued a challenge to all the artists who would be drawing for Batman kind of coming forward like, what would their spin be? Right. Are they going to go gray and blue or are they going to go black and black and black? Are they going to keep yellow or are they not? Are they going to change the the bat? Is it going to have seven points on the bottom? Is it going to have five points on the bottom? <laughs> is it going to have more points on the bottom? Like, how right. are they going to approach it? Right. Yeah, they did. They did. It issued a crazy challenge. And then there came some crazy designs because after the Tim Burton movie, then seemed to get lost. Even there was right. that. What was it? Uh, to, who? I can't remember. Val Kilmer's Batman. I mean, didn't he have a kind of a wax symbol or something? Right. You know? They all changed. And that once the Tim Burton 89 film came out, the rest. And then when Joe Schumacher took over and all of those symbols they all changed both on the emblem and even on the comic. And it became, especially in the 90s, it's interesting that the comics kind of matched the film in a way to kind of promote the film. The actual Batman logo on the comic, it kind of became more sharp and a little bit more modern. It had like a steel look to it. But yes, even the the bat on the chest, it all kind of looked different, but it still had that yellow something gold yellow round emblem that was still originated in 64 so that and even in comics that changed slightly and you can see it a little bit more kind of in the modern comics into the 2000s but in the 90s that yellow emblem still stayed and i think it was because it was just so influential from tim burton on and kind of tying it into film that batman became 
a movie franchise when now when bat when someone says oh do you like batman you don't have to say oh yeah i read the comics you say oh i like the movies and that and it's from the movies and at the time in the 90s there was the animated series and it's just all of these different from merchandising to film and comics and even slowly video games started in the late 80s and now batman arkham's one of the biggest ones right now it, Batman became so much more commercial to a wider audience, not just people who read comics. And I think now, going back to when we first talked, started the episode, saying that Batman liking this symbol or this figure, it can make it personal to each and every one. It's someone, for everyone, it's different. It can be anything because Batman has covered so much area. And even though, whether it's the emblem on his chest or the logo on the comic book or anything, that same Batman is still iconic just as Superman is. And through the 90s, it changed with the movies. And then through the 2000s, more creators and artists came and they put their spin on the costumes. They kind of had a darker palette, yet the bat on the chest became a little bit more sleeker. And then you kind of see that kind of long wing and that sharp cowl, especially within the Dark Knight trilogy when Christopher Nolan came out in 2005, 2012. And then, as Pash said, you see that realistic dark night and that kind of dark and what people kind of now see as Batman. When we've talked about all these different types of Batman that have come out in comics and they're all different and they all look different. Yet it's the same figure that everyone now sees as a brand, a product, uh, an icon, really, within the pop culture. So then I've got two questions that maybe we'll end on. Okay. So the first one <laughs> is what is the current state of the Batman logo? Mm-hmm. Well, right now it's in a, it's, it's almost an outline. It depends on which Batman, because if you're talking about commissioner Gordon's Batman in comics, he's kind of in this Iron Man type suit. But then if you see him outside of it, it's a bat and it's kind of outlined in gold it's kind of very subtle it's kind of very small on his chest and it's it's odd because it's much more subtle than a big yellow circle with the bat in the middle and it's different even in if you look at the video games like if you look at batman arkham knight it's there's no circle it's just a sleek bat on his armor or if you look and even right now for the Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice that comes out next year, it's it's similar to Frank Miller's 86 emblem, which is kind of that kind of fat, kind of thick Batman emblem. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that will progress when Ben Affleck as Batman, as that Batman, is going to be all these in these different movies from Justice League to his own solo films and how that shape, it's a little bit thinner, I think, than Frank Miller's. It's not the exact same, but it still kind of has that flat. yeah. Yeah, it has that fat, flat kind of look. And that's going to be the Batman that people who don't read comics know for the next maybe five to ten years. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That's, yeah, right. So that brings me to the next question, and maybe I'll direct this one at you, Pash. That new logo that they're doing for the movie, it's Superman symbol, and it's right on top of the Batman symbol. 
Is that a good logo from a branding standpoint? Is this does this reach the goal? Is this what what are we thinking about this? It's it's pretty cool looking. I mean, it's 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 accomplishing what it needs to. It's highly recognizable and it's pretty badass. That thing looks like if those points were sharpened, you could throw it if it was like a you know, a battering sometimes is like a um is like a chinese throwing yeah, star like kind a of ninja like, star. yeah ninja star exactly <laughs> it uh sometimes that, that's what this one looked like to me i tend to like my my bat symbols when they have a little bit more articulation in the in the points to them but i mean there's so many of them i've loved and i love them for different reasons i think that the bat symbol is always it just there's a sniff test it has to pass a couple things one it's got to um, it's got to communicate the information it needs to. So if that thing was projected up in the sky, would people be able to look at it and recognize it? And it needs to right. it needs to inspire fear in the hearts of you know evildoers or people who are you know criminals. And it needs to inspire uh, confidence and and hope and inspiration in the people who are trusting that Batman is protecting their city, you know them and their city. That that's the first thing. The second thing is it's got to look good when it's on the man's chest. <laughs> That's it. It's got to look good. He's he is as far as, you know, heroes go. He's he's a bad he's a bad, you bad know, dude, bad dude. And he's got to <laughs> look like a bad dude with that on there. So, you know, here's hoping that Ben Affleck can bring it and that he, uh, you know, he holds up and lives up to the Definitely. the cape and the cow and represents that symbol. You know, what are your thoughts on well, Ben Affleck? Uh, we'll we'll see. Jerry's out. There's some stuff that he's done. Listen, the, I think one of the favorite, my favorite things that I've ever seen Ben Affleck do, he was actually playing a Superman. He was playing George Reeves in that movie oh. where he played, you know, he was he was uh, it was George Reeves, right? Who played Superman in the in the um, that TV series, and he was he was very depressed. Yeah, I think he I wound know. up killing himself yes. afterwards. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Ben Affleck played him in this movie, this period movie that took place, you know, back in the whatever it was, probably the the 40s or the 50s i guess i can't, I can't remember mm-hmm. exactly the era but um he was so good in that so i don't know you know here he is again brooding superhero we'll see <laughs> hey london keeps an open mind i do i am very optimistic so i'm and i'm and i'm just excited when any batman comes out i love batman just in general so the fact that they're making batman and rebooting it and giving solo movies and and the fact that they're putting batman and superman on the big screen in live action for the first time ever that's incredible it's so exciting it is exciting because because <laughs> there's been some epic batman superman together moments in the comics it's right like, it's about time we get to finally it's see it on the time. screen yeah yes. it's, it's almost as if that's bringing too much energy to one screen and they finally just said you know what forget it let's do it we need that energy because nothing is stopping this marvel train we need to i mean right so right i mean really when you really think about it marvel has just exploded in the movie world yes and so really dc had to say look we need our two icons and we're gonna develop a new symbol that has them on top of each other, which is amazing. Right. And we're going to have to go to battle with Marvel and we're going to have to bring the two big guns. Right. And that's what we're doing. It's never been done before. They're bringing the guns. They need to bring the great, they need to bring the great filmmaking. And the Nolan films to me are just, they're fantastic superhero mm-hmm. films. You know, I, I, I hope, I think a couple of the Superman ones, I, I love the, the really old Superman ones from when I was a little kid, but um, those were pretty great too. But it's hard to beat what Marvel is doing. They're on an incredible role. And like you, you mentioned, they don't, 
they don't really have the brand equity. What they've been doing great is they've been taking kind of minor characters from their comic book universe and making in- them into incredibly huge and great successful film franchises. Yes. These guys are walking in the door with the brand, two of the greatest, most recognizable <laughs> brands in the world, putting them together in one film, man. That's, that's a lot to live up to. Yeah, they, well, you know what? This is, as many people would say, a huge opportunity and they could really succeed. Right. And they're already starting kind of the merchandising promotion campaign. And it started with this year's San Diego Comic-Con because now they put out the different figures and they're starting to put out merchandise already. I don't think it will equal maybe a Burton size, but they are going, I think they're, whatever Warner Brothers is doing, I think they're going to really try to do the best promotional campaign for this film to really get it off the ground. They're aiming high, that's for sure. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. So before we wrap this up, Pash, anything you need to shout out? Anybody you want to say hi to? (laughs) (laughs) Two little girls? Uh, Yeah, I'll say hi to Jessica, Mirabelle, and Juliet. I want to say thank you to you guys for having me on because I I really enjoy this this podcast. I love listening to it every week. And uh, it's a real honor being here. I still can't believe that I'm your first, like, real guest. That's pretty cool. Yes. Well, we're very happy that you came. So thank you very much. Thank you so much. And we loved your perspective on branding and whatnot. And maybe next time you can come and it doesn't have to be about branding. It could just be to shoot the you know what about Batman. (laughs) You could talk about your top five favorite Batman comics. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you've already (laughs) talked about them a lot. They happen to fit in the list of some of the other great lists that you put together. But yes. All right. talk about my pop, my top five. All right. Well, we'll do that next time. London, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, give you any kind of feedback, suggestions, whatnot, how do they get in touch with you? Easiest way is to email me at historyofthebatman at gmail.com. And you can direct message me on Instagram.com slash historyofthebatman or shout out to me at on twitter.com slash hiss of the batman and facebook.com slash history of the batman but i am totally open to all comments and questions and suggestions for future shows so yes definitely shoot me an email at history of the batman at gmail.com and now also london last week i believe you mentioned that we might be doing doc or mr freeze Yes. And we, and we didn't, we, we, we're skipping over him and we'll get to him though, right? Yes. For all the Mr. Freeze fans out there, we will, we are not, uh, he is a character that needs to have the spotlight sometime. I don't right. think he gets enough. Of so it. we'll get that to him. <laughs> and we've got some, maybe some other special guests next week. Yes. So we'll keep that, uh, secret for now. <laughs> okay. And, uh, I guess that's about it, right? Yeah. Are we there. Okay. So, like to thank Meltdown Comics in Hollywood for hosting the show, History of the Batman with London. It's always a pleasure to be here. Things are always going on. Come to Meltdown on Wednesday nights when this podcast is released and watch the Meltdown show. So that stuff you're seeing on Comedy Central, it's like a hundred times better in person. Come on down. It's probably the best value in town. Uh, I think it's $8 to get in and you're watching <laughs> top-notch comedians. It's it's absolutely incredible. So come on down to Meltdown. Also, you could take classes at Meltdown University, which is a class, classes that happen right here in the comic book store. So you want to draw, write, ink, 
comics, come here and do it. Get inspired by the great stuff that is in stock and then obviously make a purchase. Also like to shout out comicsfix.com, the digital comics platform where you pay a monthly subscription and read as much as you can, comicsfix.com. And again, if you are interested in buying a Loot Crate subscription where you get the coolest stuff, exclusive items every month, go to lootcrate.com, entered the word meltdown in the promo code box, and you will get $3 off your Loot Crate. So go ahead and do that. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next week on the History of the Batman with London. Presented by Meltdown Comics. Peace, love, and Batman. Batman.